Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That was especially high pitched for anyone sitting on the train. Uh, yeah, especially high pitched. Well, um, so it's my birthday uh, this week. Happy birthday, Nick! Um, yes, I am forty-four, which I was. I was wondering if that means that I am now in my mid forties. Do you have to be forty-five to be mid forties, or am I still early forties? I think if um, it was like a news report and you'd killed a load of people, they would say approaching mid forties. Oh. I've approached my mid forties. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's a bit longer winded, but it's just so we're clear. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my daughter did a um, a, uh, a dance show, and I saw my friend Wayne there, and uh, I had seen him for probably the best part of a year, and then um, he was saying that uh, he's like uh, forty seven, and now he's in his late. 40s. He's approaching 50. Yeah, and I, I never really, I never really thought about it in those terms. I never really cared about all that. But now I was thinking, actually, when you're 50, you are kind of, you're knocking on heaven's door. I don't know. I don't think so. Like, technically, if you're halfway across, then you've still got what you've just had, again, if you live to 100. Yeah, if you live to 100. Mm. That's the difference. Like, but my nan's like uh, 97 this year. Yeah, so pick up your nan. That's close to 100. My other grandparents all, all croaked. Hmm. Um, yes, so uh, yeah, I had a birthday. I went to Amsterdam and I had spice cakes and uh, zoots to use the young people, young people's vernacular. They love it, don't they? The youngins. Yeah, um, and they, and found out that uh, that um, it almost took me back to being like eighteen or something again. Uh, it really did, and. And then I, like, then I got like, I obviously overdid it because I didn't know my tolerances. What taking it took you back to being eighteen? Yeah, or just like the whole thing. No, no, Amsterdam's really lovely. It's quite, it's like all those old buildings in there, which are quite like, and like there's art and that everywhere, which is cool. Um, but I, I often thought about when I used to do drugs all the time, and um, and with working with people who have been like drug addicts and things, um, is that essentially, like, the minute you start doing drugs, like, as in every day, full time, you really don't progress much. Uh, so, you, like, so, if you're getting stoned all the time, you don't really get a lot achieved, so you don't really progress much. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's almost like you kind of, you, you just sit in this bubble for a while, and uh, it took me back to the bubble that I used to be in. Like, you know, 
like I went back to the hotel room fairly early because I was too wasted and and I, I, like laying there, I could have been laying in my bed when I was twenty. Yeah, you know, right, my man. wife was there, um, but I wasn't particularly chatty because I was desperately trying to find something English to watch on the telly. Yeah, and it was like I could just be twenty, and I was thinking, oh, there's a reason why I stopped. But yeah, I get what you mean. But sometimes it's for that though. Like I like the idea of being allowed to um, spend time like laying they're not really doing much um but that was always a nice thing is watching films eating loads of junk food and stuff like yeah. that but yeah to go back to doing it every day is bad times yeah i just wouldn't do it it just don't really interest me because i just wouldn't get anything done and i and I, then i'd be like kicking myself because i got anything done but it was uh so that was kind of like that was i went on uh sunday and came back late tuesday and then um, and then that was off the back of us doing our... So anyone who's listening now would have, or who listens to all of them would have heard uh, the podcast that we brought out this week, which was our Life One in Cultures. Yeah, last week. man, that's a good episode. Which was just an amazing, amazing night. Mm. I had such a good time. It was just so much fun. and uh, Everyone was so lovely. Uh, and then afterwards, people coming up who'd never met before, telling us that, you know, saying that it was really good what we were doing basically talking about our feelings which is kind of it's a bit silly isn't it really it's like what you're doing is really good it's like well yeah no well thank you yeah but in essence like we're not doing anything clever are we it's interesting i struggle to like uh not i don't struggle it's lovely when people say things but i do feel a little bit of a fraud sometimes because i feel like it is as simple as we are just talking about our feelings and just being open and honest about it. Yeah. Um, and look at us, not exactly trying very hard. I'm wearing my pyjamas. But the what was nice was at the end of that episode, we had a couple of people come up, obviously, and say they'd um, listened. And then um, our new friend, Lee. Yeah, Lee. He like was saying, oh, it's so strange, obviously, having to listen to all 45 at the time, 46 episodes. And now it's kind of in the same room as us, talking and listening kind of thing. And he was saying like, it's quite odd. He's, we went to shout out a couple of times because normally if he's running or driving, he'll sort of shout out and say to us like, what are you talking about? Um, and he brought his presents as well, which is Yeah, I started amazing. that book. I've got about a quarter of the way through it. I can't wait to read it. Book, which is really good. And my one is actually, I got back home and realised it's been on my list of wanting to buy for a long time. Oh, really? So um, yeah, I'm well pleased with that. I was pretty taken back by that. Yeah, lovely. And there was another, like, there was a younger guy there who came over and said, uh, he looked like the singer from Interpol, I was going to tell him. But he came over and just said, oh, yeah, I really like Pet Needs. And thank you very much, Pet Needs. Yeah. They pretty much helped make, they made it happen in many ways. Yeah. And um, obviously, uh, Rich and uh, Johnny came along and Johnny did a couple of songs. Um, he asked Rich to come and do something, but then... I was kind of smirking to myself because Rich didn't do anything. Well, no, what it was is he'd literally transposed that song in a different way, like that day. Yeah. And Rich knows the chord patterns, uh, so I think that... he was just like looking to Rich for a bit of uh, okay. um, like a bit of support, really. But I like having them both up there anyway. That's cool. They're just lovely to be around. Yeah, I love them. To be honest, they're like they're like they're really enthusiastic and they make us enthusiastic. So they're firm friends now. I think definitely. Um, and um, Neil did the old uh, um, fire pit, which looked amazing. He looked a bit nervous when we asked him to come up because he didn't want to speak, but he didn't have to. It was an epic day. He was wearing one of our shirts, which yeah, is incredible. Yeah, it's so cool. Three people. Uh, Ellie come along, uh, our, one of our patrons who's been listening to us since the start. And her sister, it's her birthday today, I believe. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday. Um, what was her name? Lou? Yeah. Um she looked really familiar as well. Um, but yeah, we'd never met Ellie before, so it was amazing like getting to meet her and chat to her. A um, couple of my friends came along. Uh, Jill came along. Uh, you know, it was just brilliant in being able to see what we're up to. Yeah, it's good to see. And uh, my mate Paul Shasha, who, um, yeah, I was talking to him, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but he just had um, uh, ball cancer. So we were talking about that outside as well. And I just find that, you know, when people have been through something extreme like that, I mean, I can, although obviously I didn't have cancer, but my wife had, had been cancer, meant that I could understand 
pretty close to it. Yeah, it gives you like an affiliation. Yeah. Um, so it was really good just chatting with him. And it was just fucking amazing. And Steve and Jez, if you're listening, thank you so much because they were just absolute diamonds. Jez's song at the end. Yeah, I, I, so I, I quite I find myself humming it now. Quite, yeah, I often wonder what... I, we didn't talk about their band enough. They didn't seem to want to particularly. No. But I wanted to kind of ask what they played and that kind of thing because yeah. I didn't even get talking about guitars. No. Yeah, that's true, actually. But no, all in all, in all pretty nice nice night out. It was out. amazing. I was buzzing. It took me an hour and a half to get home. Did you, like, because yeah, the A12 time. was closed and the A13 was closed at one point and it was a nightmare. But it was well worth it. Definitely. And I couldn't get to sleep because I was just buzzing so much after having such a... All these people just coming up and saying, we really love what you're doing. Strangers coming up and saying that. That's crazy. Like, you yeah. can't... You just don't get that every day, do you? No. It's like, it's, it's, it feels really special. Yeah, it does. And you were fucking amazing, Brad. You were really, really funny. You were amazing. Which, um, which I'm not saying not normally, but you were really animated, which I thought was great. I was just showing off. I was aware that um, I spoke about taking my clothes off a lot. Yeah, you would just be excited. But then you were talking about... Then I was talking about um, if I'm naked, that makes me feel really sexy. Yeah. So I think we just got stuck in a sexy wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what that's your nickname sexy for it, isn't it? Wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, all in all it's um it's good man. It's really But nice. I was worried I that I'd overly grilled Steve. If you didn't listen to the last one, you're gonna have to go back and listen to it because we're kinda of dwelling on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but like one of the guys, Steve, was uh um uh, he was really eloquent um, the way he spoke and everything mm. he said um, and then my kind of brain my analytical mind's just going uh, after after Jay saying about when you listen to people you should really listen and yeah. try not to think about what you're going to say next and I'm like I can't do that <laughs> I was thinking like I'm really I'm, I, like, I'm an advocate for mental health but I can't do that I'm always thinking about what I'm going to say next my brain just don't yeah, relax, I think right? like where I wonder whether we're so open that maybe other people aren't. Maybe, but I think he he spoke about quite a lot of interesting things. I thought it was nice to hear from him. Oh no, I did, I did too. Um, and then, but then I found myself wanting to kind of get to the bottom of it. Mm. That's what I was trying to do. So I was almost trying to get into that conversation about tell me about your parents. Yeah, you know, like I wanted to get to the bottom of it, but mm. I don't think he really wanted to go down that road. No, which is fine because you were in front of a room full of people. Yeah, of course, it's a pretty good turn. Out. And in my mind, what I I got everything I hoped for out of it because I wanted to know more about the shop and them and yeah. how it come about and their customers and stuff. So. Yeah, it's good, man. Just generally a really good night. Yeah. We're going to do some more live ones coming up. Um, we've got one coming up uh, in March, but uh, we, I'm still... Uh, we'll announce that soon enough. Um, oh, yeah. We've just got to find out from the, the place that we're going if they're all right with us kind of publicising it. Hopefully they are. And then uh, if anyone's in London, they can come along. Yeah, I think that'd be good, being in London... Right, a bit of a trot out to Essex or whatever, but London's a bit more central. Yeah, Shoreditch as well. Um, one of the presents my wife got me for my birthday, something that I've always wanted to do, is a flotation tank. Oh, really? Did you do it? No, no, I've got it, a voucher for it. Oh, the cool. closest place that does it is Shoreditch. Oh, really? Uh, and then when I, was do- when I was talking about it today, and I was like, oh, shit, that would be so... Like, I think... Like, I should have done it before, but now I think it would be really good if we did a podcast straight after. What, go and do a flotation tank and then... Come out, do a podcast. Wow. And then, like, we're, we're properly in in that zone. Yeah. And talk about what it's like. Yeah, that's a really good show. Just something different to We do. should do something like that. Or go to a spa or something. Chariots. Chariots. So, it, anyway, so it got me thinking about... Um, and I've been thinking about it today anyway. It's just generally about um, why is how we kind of track back about what are the things that make that have made us how we are. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's obvious ones for me. My granddad kind of putting me down from a really young age. My dad kind of lack of engagement with me, feeling like he didn't really like me. 
and all of that made me feel like I wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious, like, what, what, how does that work for you? Have you thought about all this? Because your therapy that you had wasn't particularly in depth, was it? It was great for what it was, but it, what it should have been was the beginning of like another few years, I think, yeah. really. But it, to be fair, as we know, like, the, is it CBT, like the model? Excuse me, I'm well gassy, I'm drinking beer. Um, the, the model is like six weeks and the option to have some more. And in that time, just by writing down what I was eating, made a massive difference to my moods and everything else. Um, I was on the medication, so it, that made a massive difference to my mood. So in that the arc of that time, according to the NHS, I made a huge improvement, which is correct. But obviously there's still underlying issues that kind of resurface themselves sort of every day. And there's a lot that's gone on. My main thing that I'm looking at at the moment is like and I think it's has been a big cause of everything, is the pursuit of happiness and the trying to get the money work situation right. Because I've been reflecting on it today and I've realised that I basically set out just to earn as much money as possible in whatever job I could do. And I saw that as a mark of success. And it's not no way to any kind of a success because obviously jobs come and go and everything else. So that can be sort of... A big part of it, and yeah, then the obvious things. Obviously, dad dying, my son dying, and and a few car crashes here and there, and everything else. But with even with those sort of things, I kind of play them down a little bit because worse happens to other people, and that they're, they're quite kind of I've, essentially we're all going to die. Um, and I guess I'm still trying to work out how that has kind of modelled and affected everything I do. Certainly, like made me give a fuck a lot less about a lot of things. Yeah. Once things like that happen, it puts a lot of other stuff in perspective. So what I was curious about was, <laughs> like, we've talked about a lot of things on here, um, but for me, there's still some gaps along the way. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if we go into this a little bit? Not at all. I don't mind you going into my gap. <laughs> oh, it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> don't. I? We use wet wipes today. So... When you were, where, how old, do you know roughly how old you were when your parents split up? Roughly nine, ten, eleven, I think. And why did they split up? Do you mind, like, at any point you could go, like, I don't want to get into this. So as far as I can tell, um, my dad was working away a lot. Um, and... I think that just put strain on the relationship as far as I know. Um, the 80s are a bit of a sort of crazy time for people, I guess, and everyone's sort of on that pursuit of make as much money as possible and everything else. So I think my dad was on good money, um, but obviously he got offered more money to work away. So he used to work on a lot of the um, like submarines and boats for the Navy and stuff, and then eventually worked in... So how long would he be away for? Long periods, like months? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know, actually. Don't know for for sure. It was in Libya the longest time, and I remember I can kind of remember the times he was coming back. So I'd wait at the door for him, and he'd always bring stuff back, like cool little gadgets and things for me to sort of play with and that. So I kind of remember him coming back more than I remember him going, to be honest. Do you remember arguments in that at home? No, not really. I remember only I only really remember my dad shouting at me once. My mum did a, a bit more, but then to be fair, like a kid and school and everything else, it was no more than no more than anyone else really. I but don't did think. your parents ever argue? I don't remember it, but what I'm beginning to realise is my brain seems to have a really good way of sort of shutting down and compartmentalising. Yeah, that causes you uh, pain, so we'll close it away. Yeah, just sort of get rid of it, kind of thing. But I've often sat and kind of thought about it. I find myself being a little bit worried about thinking about it too much in a way which would indicate that maybe other stuff went on but I don't think, think I don't think so I think it was a straight up just sort of separation really could you remember about how you felt because what did you have so was it but didn't so this is me trying to understand you a bit more yeah go it? for it um so um didn't wasn't it difficult when you did split up like you moved out with your mum you said you yeah, were that was hard. Shed. Yeah, so when we 
so my when my dad worked away me and my mum and my brother stayed in the house and then there's a point when I don't I think we stayed there for a while I don't know whether it was before they sold it or not or whether we couldn't live there for some reason but um we moved out and we went to this sort of um like housing place but it was someone's house excuse me and um basically they had they'd built like these units in their back garden there's four or five of them and they were literally tiny little rooms with bunk beds in and um so it's me and my mum and my brother we turned up there i think i vaguely remember it raining for some reason and uh i think we were in there one night and the guy come out and said look i can't have you living in here like it was like men living in the thing and that so um like would you um want to come and live here and basically they'd had like a um like a wendy house sort of thing had a sofa in it and a kettle and they said like we'd probably we'd probably be safer in here would you mind like living in there so we we're like yeah go on so a wendy house yeah sort of like a big kind of wendy like a shed thing wendy i had windows and um i think we lived in there for quite a while maybe sort of six months a year but i'll be guessing fucking hell so i wonder if no because uh, that the reason why i asked is because that would suggest animosity at some point because otherwise like if your dad was working you know normally you would stay in the house and like the kids and the mum would stay in the house yeah the dad would have to move out so you'd think your dad would have gone there and done that and you would have stayed in the house or when they sold the house you would have had a house and he would have had something more temporary because he was working away I think by that time, I think my dad had met someone else because I remember them coming back to our original house and us spending weekends there. And it was kind of odd, like with a different mum kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then by that time, me, my brother and my mum were kind of renting other places. We'd moved around probably... I don't know, lost count of how many places we lived, but quite a lot of different places. See, that's really, but you know, um, see, that's really uh, unstructured. And if you're like 10, 11, 12, uh, you're really starting to develop your sense of self. Yeah. And then in that period, you haven't got, you haven't even got like a proper fixed, safe accommodation. No, I mean, school was great for me because it was continuous. Yeah. And I remember really sort of, test that I, I grew up really quick because i kind of had to my mum always tells a story that i used to save my pocket money up for like light bulbs and things like that in the house and that and so school i kind of went into school as being a bit more grown up a little bit more confident yeah but then it it kind of come out looking back now it kind of come out in other ways so i, I started there's a couple of occasions where things happen to me and then I completely embellished them to make them sound even more fucking mental than they were. So we were in Canvey in one of the houses and my nan had given me um, this old typewriter. And obviously once you start writing, you can't sort of rub it, rub it out or anything. Mm. So I was like writing out, I can't remember what I was writing now, like a poem or something, um, probably about Transformers. And... I kept making the mistakes. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go and get some, I had like a jar, um, roses, plastic jar, um, full of money and, uh, like just coppers and stuff. And I said, oh, I'm going to go and buy some Tipex and then come back and finish this thing. So I went to one shop and, um, I don't know whether it's the first shop or not, but certainly, yeah, I went to one shop and they didn't have any. Went to another shop and they said they couldn't sell it to me because I was underage. Right. And then I went to another shop and by, by the time I'd gone to all these shops, I was like halfway on the other side of Canvey Island. So in the time of walking back, I basically made up this story that I was kidnapped and the people that I described were actually um, someone who my mum was seeing at the time and his mate. And I didn't really think too much of it. Uh, and I told my mum about it and it all got a bit upset or whatever and then I went into school the next day told a mate of mine who then basically told the teacher 
and then basically told the police. And then I was taken into Canvey Police Station, mm-hmm. and apparently they had two helicopters going out, all of the squad cars, um, a lot of my family going out looking for guys who fit this description. But you know the fact. What what's weird is it? Well, not weird, but you talk about that, and um, and then you you talk about like they were people like who were having a relationship with your mum and his mate, which would suggest that you weren't happy. Yeah, no, definitely. So you weren't happy with these other people coming into your house. No, you might not have thought about well, I it. Think we moved into their house, but even so, it was yeah, it, it, well, even worse. Mm. So then you're in someone else's space, so you've got to be like, yeah. Um, and I think um, there's another interesting thing there is that, um, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but it's an observation. Yeah, of course. Um, is that, like, say when I when I see you and you, you know, how you, and it's normally like, uh, pretty shit. And I, I notice that um, it's kind of a default. Uh, whereas, you know, rather than, like, rather than focusing on, oh, well, this was good and this was good. Yeah. It's like, uh, there's like a, there's a story around it. Yeah. Um, of why things are shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think you did that then um, and you still do it now. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes so a lot of sense. you build a narrative around it which makes everything shit. Yeah. Um, rather than thinking... You know, like sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, but we're doing these amazing things. Rather yeah, yeah. than thinking, like, for me now, I focus on the amazing things yeah. rather than the other. But if you're kind of used to creating that kind of that narrative, yeah, that's the narrative you live. So almost like if you're telling yourself it's that, then that's what it is. I've had times when I've been scared to talk positively because I'm worried about what the other people will think. Or you're worried it's going to go wrong because when you were younger, everything went wrong. Yeah, maybe. I'm, never, I'm not really too fussed about stuff going wrong. It's more about what people think. Yeah. It's more in that sort of direction, really. But then I've stopped doing that. This last maybe two or three years, maybe four years. It's been a slow process. But I've worked hard on not really worrying about what people think. What's interesting, though, is what you said, what you described there about you kind of made up this far-fetched tale. Like, I've worked with lots of kids who have been in terrible, terrible situations, and they do exactly the same. Yeah, really? They do. And it's almost like how they express their unhappiness. Yeah. Um, so they build, they make it bigger than it really is. Yeah. But inside of that, there's truth. Yeah. And there's pain. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, when you said that, instantly just thought that's what it is. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, I I think um, that there's so much of it relates down to that period, mm. and and then and then like almost like the work, then the 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 bit, the top of the the pain mountain was your dad's passing. Mm-hmm. But before that, there was loads of horrible shit. Oh yeah. At the point in your life where you're creating your set where you're learning your sense of self yeah so that's probably like i i think everything else money and that's 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 a proper side to why you feel like you feel yeah of course it's all to do with that and and those periods yeah and i think not um having a long enough period of normality yeah like last five years have probably been the most kind of normal, and in that time we've moved twice and had two kids. Yeah, and that's like even, and I like, love that. What like last five years have been great, um, but yeah, that I would say. I don't even. There is no normal. Like, I don't even know what I mean no, but by you're normal. You're used to living in drama. Yeah. So you're used to... My normal is no drama. My, the normal I aspire to have... Is no drama. Is no drama. No one dying. No one trying to kill themselves. Everyone just like... Just... But, you've, but like, you've probably not had that since you were nine. No. So it's really hard to then go... So it's almost like you create it. So you know you think about like, you know, money woes. Like it's almost like subconsciously you're sabotaging. Yeah. Because you're like... 
No, that's all I deserve. Yeah. I, like, the drama is what I deserve. It all, all needs to be kicking off. Yeah. Otherwise, that 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 is what makes you feel more comfortable in the drama I than do, you do out of the It's funny, drama. yeah, because I do say, like, I'm good in the situation. I'm quite yeah, mild-headed yeah. and stuff like that, and yeah. quite a lot's happened. And the, what's most annoying is, I, I believe in the law of attraction and manifestation and positive thinking, but I've got such a disconnect... I think from my body and my emotions and bits of my brain yeah. that I'm so busy walking around saying, oh yeah, I'm positive and I'm doing this and all the, all the time my brain and my body's going, fucking, no, you're not, you're a fucking right mess. And it's just that, that, com- that there's that kind of missing link. And that's what I'm, I hope to get from more meditation and obviously medication and talking a lot more and stuff like that. That's kind of what I'm holding out for. But maybe you shouldn't be saying everything's positive. You should just be going... Oh, these things are positive. Yeah. So it's just kind of bringing it in a little bit. Because I always, like, I get annoyed when people are like, oh, I'm just really positive. And it's almost like positive for the sake of being positive. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I'm like, well, what are you positive about? Yeah. That's like, you know, if everything's shit, yeah, look for glimmers of hope. Yeah. But like, don't just be positive for the sake of being positive. No. Because it's, it's not honest. And it's, and I think, well, when you're not being honest, um, you're making yourself ill because yeah. you're fighting it. Yeah. Well, it's still a, like a front, like a pretend. Yeah. And that facade, for me, the facade made me ill. Mm. So now I'm just honest. Yeah. Um, and now I actually do think there are good things and I can be more positive. Yeah. Um, but then, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, even down to things when um, some of it's like behaviour. So some of the things that you do now, like you might argue or something with, with your wife, a lot of that seems to come back to when you were growing up. Definitely. And what's weird is I can almost, like I said, I don't really remember arguing with my dad much, but whenever I have stuff with the kids now, I can almost hear like the timber of his voice. I feel yeah. like my hands are the same. Like there's little kind of flashes that flash back and it's all learned. And like, I think scientifically between the ages of like zero and three or four, our main sort of programming for everything really starts to begin to happen then we start to unfold it from four onwards kind of thing yeah and then we start getting our sense of self and if in that period the sense of self see for me i i became depressed but and a lot of people would be like wow your granddad used to be horrible to you and i've heard it i've been in therapy and and been told that Mm. like well look they weren't that bad you didn't get beaten up it's Mm. like no it's still the like it's still the impact is still the same yeah doesn't matter. It's how it how it how it impacts it yeah, on me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about things about your past, um, I think it would be really hard for none of that to impact on you. Yeah. So I almost think you know, like the position you're in now. I I I, I believe there's an element of self sabotage, and like, and I think maybe also for your wife as well. Yeah, maybe. So I know this is like, I might be completely way off, but I have got quite a bit, like I do kind of know about these things, and it does seem that it's like, it's like almost saying I'm not good enough. When I was fucking in the Wendy house, that's where I should be. Yeah. So I'm going to fuck everything up because if you're in debt and then you keep spending money, you know it's like, you might as well be putting a needle in you. Yeah, I think... Because you know that it's wrong, but you still do it. And it's like, why do you do well, it? Well, that's... Yeah, I mean, that's a bit black and white, like, with the debt stuff. we That's the thing, like, we... I know it don't seem like it, but we were really careful. And I'm actually really careful and really... Um, like, I work hard and I'm quite picky in the things that I do. So I do still try hard to make things happen. But I think quite often I try I'm trying hard so much in one direction that I miss all these other opportunities and everything else I could see that because you do get you get quite fixated mm. with things but like that can be amazingly positive oh yeah of course you know like that fixation it's almost like you know my son having autism if you find out what that thing is you can fucking channel it no but it's just like me just trying to kind of put some things together about you really uh, and trying to understand a bit more. Mm. And that there's this big kind of void there. Like, you've given me snippets. But in in many ways, a lot of things you've done have been similar to me, as in that kind of 
I don't feel like I'm worth anything, so I self-sabotage. Mm. And I and I think a lot of things you've done through life have been quite self-sabotaging or self-destructive. I think the scariest Even if thing... you haven't really thought of it in that No, terms. the scariest thing on that point is subconsciously I've probably known that I'm self-sabotaging, but I'll justify it in different ways of how other people do it, so I'll do it. Or they're doing it, so I'll do it. Oh, they're doing it and I want to be as popular. Yeah, that is self-sabotaging. Yeah, but like... like you um, are kind of aware. Yeah, but... But you still do it. You step over that edge. Yeah. I'm better at it now, but I find myself coming out in different ways, like we were saying about the coffee earlier. Um, wanting to smoke and drinking still. Like I consider myself to have done really well with my drinking. But any time anyone goes, you want a beer? I still, yeah, yes, please. Yep, yeah, no problems. And it just, like, I'm quite lucky. Went out of a few of my old mates for the first time in like 10 years last weekend. It's the first time I've been out for fucking, only me and you go out now. I don't go out anywhere else. And uh, it was lovely, like, catching up with them. But it was straight back into that dynamic there was like drugs floating around and stuff like that. And it got to a point 11 o'clock where I was, I'd, I'd basically had one beer and I was like, no, I'm quite happy. I'm going to drive home because they were staying up to watch the boxing. I said, because I know if I stay for another half hour, another beer, this will happen, that will happen before you know, I won't go home and then it'll kick off at home and stuff like that. And it's kind of one of the first times in a long time, probably because I've been away for it so long. I've had the strength. It sounds weird saying strength, not that hard, but, but, but to be able to say like, to be able to no, see what the conclusion yeah, would be. To be able to go, no, do you know what? I've had a great time. We went out for something to eat. It was lovely. Yeah. We had such a laugh, like just driving over, let alone, you know what it's like. It's just once you're in, back in that sort of mindset. So funny. And I was at the point where I was like, nah, like if I stop now, it's all been good. Kate was great when I got back and it's just everything kind of worked out just nice but I could still feel that kind of there was still that little element of me it's like oh yeah this and that but essentially what was I missing it was just it was only going to go wrong from that that's that moment what I, I do I, in many ways I've, all, I've been like that for years I was still I self-sabotaged loads but I, I guess I always wanted just to get home anyway yeah because I feel safe at home I always preferred the bit when you were back at home if you went round other people, that was my favourite bit because you're comfortable. Yeah. It's not scary out, and everyone know you know where the toilet is. Mm. There's probably a bit of food floating around. You've always seemed to have like enough food and drink, and everyone. But that must else. have been difficult when you were younger, or if you didn't really have that. I my I found I went out and found a family. So that's literally from the age of thirteen. I sort of yeah, sleep yeah, around people's that's, houses. That's really heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. But so your parents sounds like. Your dad got into a relationship quite quickly then and then moved into your house. No, nah, yeah, it's kind of, it's a lot more, there's a lot more to it than I've got like, that's on. Pretty, but... like, I'm just thinking about, like, when you're younger, the way you're going to view that, it's like, all right, he's allowed to live in the house with this new woman. Mm. I'm allowed to go and visit, but I'm not allowed to live there. Yeah. I probably could have if I had the choice, but it just made sense to go with mum because of school and stuff like that. I probably I would have chose mum anyway, but I think like um, it was just seeing. I don't know. It's I don't really know how it all kind of came together, how it all worked out, really. But uh, in the end, it became that kind of normal blended family. Not blended as much, but like so he moved down to Christchurch, Bournemouth, um, and. Um, obviously we had a, the house, a different house up here so and my dad would come and get us at weekends and take us back like pick us up Friday night take us back Sunday night kind of thing so it become that kind of normal that of, sounded like quite a nice period though when you went to see your dad yeah it's great because it, you did things with him and yeah like that's properly nice time with your dad. Yeah, like we discovered like the fear. Like, I mean, I'm quite jealous of that because it was lovely. Yeah. I'd love to have had those kind of times with mine. Yeah, it's quite nice. And he like took us on holidays and things like that. But And that's not to give my mum a bad rap. You know, she like worked hard for and like the day-to-day stuff. Well, in fact, yeah, your mum's, your mum's raising you, really. Yeah, of course. But, um, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, like, I can't really see how else it could have been or would have been, really, to be fair. It's difficult thinking back. See, I find it strange because we talk about this now and I remember when my parents split up and I was, like, 20. Um, and I remember, like, my friends at the time, like, 
And they were like, oh, you're right, because like, you're older. Yeah. There really was that kind of, no, but you're older, so it's not going to impact Yeah, that's on funny you. enough that I've heard that said about Kate's brothers because they were older. Yeah, you're yeah. older now, so yeah. it don't impact It's on just you. as fucked. It's just as fucked. I mean, it would have been different if I'd have been living away from home and had my own family, like my sisters yeah, had maybe. At, at that point. But I was very much, I was still living at home. Yeah. Um, and I remember being really, really upset at the time. And I was, uh, I just left university, like chucked in university, came back. Uh, and they put, they split up soon after that. Were there arguments or was it quite amicable? Um, no, there wasn't really arguments. Uh, my dad never said anything. So, oh, right. um, but my mum... And as much as I love my mum dearly, she overshared. Right. Um, so that, again, didn't paint my dad in a particularly good picture. And um, and she'd said that they were probably going to split up and don't worry, I can live with her. Uh, and then I couldn't live with her. And I stayed with my dad. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, and actually, like, in fairness, that really fucking hurt me. Uh, it took me a long time to get my head around that, really, but uh, yeah, it did hurt me because um, I, yeah, I, I didn't have. I thought I had that safety net, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and then I lived with my dad, and it was it was awful for a while because he was just really, really upset. He was, just, he was a mess for months and months and months. Yeah, cool. Uh, just really upset, and um, and uh, I was just, I just went. I'm going to drink all the fucking time. I'm going to get fucking standing. I'll do whatever's in my hands. Did your dad drink and everything at the time no, as well? No, not really, no. Oh, no. My dad's never been particularly heavy drinker. Nor is my mum. But I was already quite a heavy drinker at that point anyway. So it was oh, like, yeah. well, there's my excuse. Yeah. You know, like you say, well, everyone else is doing it. Well, if your parents put it, I've got every right yeah, yeah. to fucking get wankered. Yeah. And Comes then, like um, a label kind of thing. Yeah, you, you, you there's your licence. Go for yeah. it. Mm. And uh, But I remember like, I really really kind of was there for my dad and it was just me and him initially in the big family house leaving the family house was really painful because I grew up there I'd lived there since I could remember like two um yeah I wonder if like that was prolonged like when there's like a big split up and a walk out whatever you deal with the breakup and the house and everything else it must have been I suppose it's the same as my situation I guess yeah we were there for about a year yeah so we had to I remember that that's just, I hadn't given that any thought up until now. It was exactly the same. We went through the whole thing and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're selling the house. Yeah. And it was weird because I was still within reach of it. Yeah. Oh, it's got me a bit. I did, I'd completely forgotten about that. I know, it's painful, isn't it? Yeah. Because like the house was like, oh, this is, this is me. Yes, your identity. You know? And like, and I thought I'd have kids and I'd bring them round here and we'd have Christmas here. Yeah. Like I had Christmas yeah. here. You know, like this, the house is... All, the house is my parents. Yeah, it's you know? another member of the family. Yeah. So then we... And then my dad was like, we're going to have to sell the house. And then my dad was going like, we might have to move away to somewhere cheaper. And I'm shitting myself because basically my best friend Stuart lives down the road. Yeah. Everyone lives around here and I can cycle to work. Yeah. And I've always had a thing about I don't like public transport. Yeah. Um, so I was shitting myself. But then... And I think possibly... Partly for me, we got a house which was just down the road in mm. the end. And, uh, but I hated leaving the house. Like, it, it was like I wasn't going to pack up to the last minute. It was, it was fucking horrible. Um, and then we moved to the other house. And, uh, and my dad just became like, like a mate for a, a year or so. I suppose because he was leaving behind a lot of identity and you were kind of starting a new thing together kind of thing. Yeah, he just kind of came into his own. He's like, I'm single. Mm. And he enjoyed being single. And because he was enjoying being single, and I was like, didn't sleep till four o'clock in the morning and that. So, like, he'd come home really late and we'd sit and chat. Yeah. And, like, we just smoke fags all day long. You know, like, he started smoking fags again. Yeah. And uh, we, we just hung out. Yeah. Um, And it was it was really nice. That made it. So much more painful when he finally said, uh, you got like get out because it's like, hold on, like we've been through all of this together the last two, three years of like anguish and pain. We've both been fucked up, like we've both been ditched, yeah. 
You know, like I felt just as ditched as he did. Yeah. You know, like the person, like my mum, obviously I stay in touch with her, but I felt ditched. Yeah. Um, and now like, we've moved together and we're looking out for each other. Like we yeah. did. I remember once we got fleas in the house and me and my dad was like open up the whole house and like we were fucking like, we were like getting stuck in together. In. It was a real special yeah. time. And uh, he'd, have, he'd, have a, he'd have a party, invite his singles club over. Yeah. And like, I'd be like, I'll hang out with you guys. Yeah. And it was really lovely. And then when he said he'd got to go, but in between... Well, that, he, he said, what, he, he said you had to go? Yeah. Right, okay. Um, but in between that, I remember he did have a girlfriend and she used to, she lived in Kent, she used to come over and stay over and she was really creepy. And uh, uh, he'd go to bed and she'd, she'd chain smoked and she'd sit up and smoke. And I used to sit in the living room because I could watch Scott. Yeah. And she used to just talk to me about how they were going to move away and how, uh, oh, I hope your your record deal comes through with Japan because we were being tattered by a Japanese record company yeah. as well. And then, like, you'll be all right and then we'll go to Kent and, you know, like, you can fuck off kind wow. of thing. So, is it like, yeah, my dad probably don't know. It must have been weird, like, obviously, you're filling gaps for me now. So, like attributing a lot of stuff from like young childhood to your dad and then it almost seems like you, there might have been a little bit of like an, a ship like an olive branch kind of thing yeah we like if you'd have come close like the, if you'd have carried on like that for five years ten years or like if it had like a natural progression yeah, yeah. other stuff might have been spoken about or forgiven and stuff like that yeah you know at that point mm. all was forgiven oh lovely like it yeah. really was like we were like I was like dad can I paint on my walls and he'd go yeah Brilliant. Like my dad was just really cool. Yeah. Um, and that's why it was so much painful when he... Because what happened when I when he said, you've got to go, basically, I was I was mentally ill. Mm. So I was drinking all the time. I, I'd go, I'd work, and I'd get home from work about half 10, 11, and I'd drink till the early hours of the morning. Um, and uh, I didn't contribute to the bills. Um, I was only earning, like, in fairness, like... I, I was earning seventy five to hundred pound a week, mm. um, so I didn't have a lot of money anyway. But it paid for my alcohol, which was a daily need. Yeah, um, and I was ill, and um, so I was eating food, but not much because no. I was working the kitchen, so I ate at work because yeah, I course. knew I didn't want to take the piss at home. Yeah. Anyway, he decided that I was taking the piss and told me I got to go uh, on Millennium Eve. I'll never forget. And then, and then. He turned into the old him. Really? Like, straight away. And it was like, you know, like, for him to be able to... Uh, I get it. You know, like, when you when when you say, right, that's it now, and then you have to be really hard about it, otherwise you'll back down. Yeah. And I think that's what he did. Yeah, but it, that obviously hasn't all come from him, though, right? wasn't his he didn't just wake up one day and decide to chuck you out it kind of felt like that but did it did like did he have anyone else there at the house like no no oh no. really no no he might have girlfriends here yeah. there but uh no one ever when we lived in a different house together there was no one else there right. it was always just me and him oh wow um i had a girlfriend who would crash over quite a lot Maybe he didn't like that. But, you know, like, normally, uh, if someone's, like, you go, right, next week you give me money. Yeah. And if you don't, and then that week comes along and you don't give it, and then you go, right, if you don't give me money, you're going to have to go, mate. Yeah, or a little bit of to and from. Yeah. Like, I'm aware you're drinking a lot and obviously you haven't got any money. I'll help you out. Or, like, just a little bit of, yeah. like, just and something. And he knew all about my mental health problems because he used to ask me about it. We used to talk about mm. it. You know, like, he'd go, I think you need to go to the doctors. You know, like, he was really helpful. And yeah. then from nowhere, he was like, right, you've got to go. Uh, and then he became the dad that I grew up with. Wow. And um, and I, I can't I can't come back from it. Nah, that's mindfuck. Yeah, yeah, it was a mindfuck. Even down to, you know, like, uh, right, can I come and, do you reckon you can help me move my stuff now? I've got a flat. What the fuck? It just wouldn't really help me out or anything. It was literally like a cut-off. Mm. And, like, did you go and see him after again afterwards? There's no, like... 
I rang him that night and said, all right, Dad, no hard feelings. You know, I kind of understand why you might feel that way. I'm not asking you to have me back. I'm just saying, like, fair enough, it's fine. Yeah. And he was like, just really, like, non-responsive. I was almost saying to him, I forgive you. Yeah. But he didn't respond to it. Wow. And, um, yeah, and that fucked me up. Yeah, I bet. That fucked me right up. So then I hit the booze and drugs much, much harder. Yeah. Um, and then my mum did come in and help me because she basically helped me get the flat. She paid the deposit and all that mm. thing. She sorted out the bills. Well, she didn't sort it out, but she sorted out how everyone pays for the bills. Yeah. And she looked after the finances. And that was probably, well, she felt guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, because by that, not long after, I've been, not long after, uh, probably about a year later, maybe less, she was with Robert, who she's with now. So it was kind of like, ah, right. So none of that was true then. Yeah. Fucked me right up. Yeah. But I think, like, I was 20, 20 odd then, and that fucked me up. And it, I'm I'm still fucked up about it now. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Mm. I am. Uh, and that's why I still have issues with my dad. Yeah. Because it was like, I learned to trust you and like you and care about you and then you turned your back on me. Yeah, it's um, really sad. But I think I went through all that, but you went through that when you were that much younger. Yeah. But you also then, like, at least for me, I didn't have the pressures of, like, you know, like trying to fit in. Yeah. Like you do when you're at school. It's like suddenly you're different to everyone yep. else. Mm. Suddenly you're not the same as everyone else. Your parents are split up. Because we're, like, uh, maybe there's not such a stigma now, but I believe there still is. Yeah. You know, it's more common, but you're still, no one wants their parents to split up. No, of course not, no. So I think I was like 20 odd then for you. And then, then like the... The aftermath of that was you had no security, mm. um, and yeah, you had no security or anything, which which would explain why you're like, you know, you're talking about I'll earn as much money as I can, and then everything will be all right. Yeah. So I was talking about this about like like young gang members, like they live in awful awful lives. Their mum's got no fucking money to bring them up, mm. so. All they care about is making money. Yeah. And if that kills them, then that is an acceptable risk. Yeah. Now, for you and I, we can't nah. compute that. Yeah. But for them, when, you, when you've when got nothing mm. to have something, it's worth the gamble. Yeah, I come close. I fell into like the wrong sort of um, crowd with some of the wrong people at times. And it did get to a stage where I was like... Um, driving up and down to London and dropping drugs off and stuff like that. It got a bit sort of hairy at times. And that you kind of justify because I was already too deep into it. And it did get to the point where I was like, oh, fuck it. But it sounds like that you'd come from a point of having fuck all. Because if you were living in a Wendy house... Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky. Like, um, my mum met my stepdad and he's really looked after her. And they kind of um, basically started out with almost nothing... With, with each other and now they've you know they've worked their way up and everything else and every, everything's kind of rosy on that side um but and, and there was times when I was kind of quite stubborn and I found myself falling into these sort of other families and other friends circles and groups and it was kind of my way of dealing with it I guess um I used to tr- like I used to like making people laugh. So if anyone laughed at me, I'd kind of go off in that kind of direction. And yeah, it took me into some mad old places, really. But no, but that's like that's uh, you're looking for acceptance, yeah, and looking to belong, yeah. And because you'd come from a period of like when your family's separated, you're like, where do I belong? Oh, yeah. do I belong in the fucking Wendy house? Mm. You know, like when we've got fuck all and we're, like, we're really hard up, and I'm putting my pocket money towards. Yeah, light bulbs. You can understand that you might then think, "I've got our own money." Yeah, of course. And, then and it's always becomes, been like a. You can understand how that would become 
a very dominant thought yeah. and a dominant action. Through the years, like after school and then into like my 20s and stuff, I was always worried what people would think. So obviously a lot of my mates were kind of, for some, most of my mates seemed to know what they wanted to do fairly early on. So they kind of went and did that. For me, it was always music, which we know isn't a constant kind of stream. So sometimes I'd have a lot of money, but nine times out of 10, I'd have fuck all. And I was always aware, like I didn't want anyone to think I was kind of a ponce or poncing off them. But people would always ask me to go out like almost every night. And they say, oh, come on, like, we'll buy you drinks and everything else. And you get there and like, oh, no, I'm all good. Like, I'll just have a water or a lemonade or whatever. And it got to the point that that was happening so much that I stopped saying yes. I just stopped going out with that, that circle of friends. But then when you fall into like the drug circles with people who seem to be able to find money from anywhere, and sometimes if it is doing something a little bit naughty or whatever, it, it, I kind of found people, like we were so alike and obviously music playing a big part of that as well. Like the music and drug side of things just went completely hand in hand and took me off into this crazy like direction. But what you need to take into account, right, is that um, I think the, the reason they go hand in hand is because they're both escapism. Yeah. Music is really good for escaping mm-hmm. because uh, for starters, when you're doing it, you're only thinking about what you're doing. Yeah. You're not thinking about what's going That's on around you. That's the purest thing that I get from it. So you separate yourself from the horrible thoughts in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the drugs go hand in hand, because they enhance that. Yeah. Um, but they're both escapist things. Yeah. Um, and if everything else around you is pretty shit, then you're going to throw yourself in the same escapist. Yeah. I did exactly the same. Yeah. That's why we're friends, because we do the same things. Yeah. Um, so I think like you need to bank them together, and you and that escaping from basically all the shit and horrible stuff that's happened to you because because of nothing that was your fault. Yeah, that's what's been kind of weird in this like later point of life is I've probably been well so much more stuff has come to the surface um, and I've had more opportunities where drink and drugs would play such a big part in it but I found myself not turning towards that and I think maybe it's because I'm facing up and dealing with a lot more stuff rather than turning away from it and um, like I think we mentioned it in the last podcast but once you start thinking as deeply as we do the floodgate, floodgates kind of open and then it, everything kind of comes out and I think I'm just in that kind of whirlwind of processing all sorts of stuff. I think you kind of start to recognise that, like for me, I recognise that actually I don't want to go down that path. No. Like, you know, maybe I'll have a drink, but I know that there has to be a cut off. Yeah, I have times when sometimes... I return to old behaviour and it's taken me a long time to beat out a lot of that old behaviour. Yeah, sometimes I start drinking and I feel myself thinking I could literally go from here to tramp in like... Like just literally fuck everything off, like drink drug and just not worry about where I'm living or sleeping, like completely go all in like the other way. And it's weird because it doesn't... Obviously not seeing the wife and kids and not having the house and everything does scare me to a degree, but it doesn't I feel like it doesn't scare me as much as it should. Yeah. But then to be fair, I've slept rough for a little while and it's fucking horrible. And until you've until you actually stand outside for a long period of time and you, that sort of cold sense. You haven't in, got a choice. Yeah. Then it then you start thinking, Oh no, actually I've been a massive prick. I should probably fucking go home. And that's what's sad is so many people haven't got homes they can go back to or situations they feel like they can't get back into and that's obviously another conversation for a different day. Again, you say you so you talk about that and then the result basically if you think like, yeah, your parents split up and then at some point after that you were sleeping homeless. Yeah. So I, would, all, I wouldn't call it homeless because out of stubbornness I was not going home. I know, but then there's but yeah, but like most people would have gone, Oh fuck this, I'm just gonna go home and fucking and just suck it up. Yeah. But there's something something was going on that pushed you over the edge yeah. to the point that you were like, No, I'm not, I'm gonna stick it out. No, I think like 
a natural kind of stubbornness. I'd exhausted, like, so basically I told, was telling family that I was sleeping on friends' sofas and friends I was sleeping on families. Why? Back home. Because I didn't really want to bring it to their attention too much or bring it to their doorstep. Uh, the fact that I was probably, I probably wanted to deal with a lot of stuff, but I probably didn't really want to. I was probably running away at that point um, quite a bit. And Running again, away from what, though, Greg? Obviously, all like all of the like family stuff, the splitting up stuff, the house stuff, and like school as well, being as on and off as it was, and friendships and things, relationships. And at that time, I'd kind of, and this is early, like we're talking maybe 14, 13, 14, 15. Um, like I was smoking weed and drinking at a really early age. So that give me a kind of warmth and a confidence and it, it was like a bit of an adventure really i quite enjoyed it at times it's fucking scary as fuck but again it's that um the alternative hurts me so much yeah like you could just go on yeah but if that hurts you so much yeah that makes you step over the threshold into something that's self-destructive and you probably know it yeah so what I'm kind of getting at is that all everything, all the shit, kind of comes back to that. Yeah, I've not wanted it to, because I feel like I can't. Obviously, can't go back to my dad and talk to him about it because he's dead. No, but you can't go back um, and sort any of it out anyway. No, but and I there's a lot because I kind of I get on really well with my mum, and I kind of I feel like I wouldn't want to keep going back to it, but I'm aware. There have been times when we have gone back to it, but I've been so drunk I've not remembered the conversations. Oh, I'm fucking kicking myself. Yeah. Like when because that was the time when you had the confidence. Exactly that. To do it. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I wish I could. And I'm sure we'll get loads more time to sort of talk about those things. But it's the same when my dad first died. We went around to see my uncle Pete, his brother, and he had so many stories and said so much stuff about my dad that I had no clue about. And um, like, luckily, Kate remembers quite a bit of it because I remember fuck all. Because I was too out of my head. No, no, but you were, that, that is how you managed. That is how you coped. That, that's just coping. Yeah. But what I, I think the point is, is that, um, that you you can't do anything about any of it. You no. can go and talk about it. You can get a better perspective on it. But it's only if that other, like, say, your mum is willing to talk about it. And she yeah. doesn't have to be. And... Uh. <laughs> but I think well I the point is is that if you go back and talk about it it's not going to change anything no but if you don't kind of face up to the fact that all of that stuff fucks you up then then you won't get to a point when you're not blaming yourself yeah it makes a lot of sense when you go right it was that, and then that happened, and then that happened. No wonder I struggle to cope with things. Yeah, I think it's my kind of normalising it and not wanting to upset anyone. Because you tend to blame yourself for everything. Yeah, everything, yeah. So rather than blame yourself, at least, if you can kind of face up to some of the things that have happened along the way, yeah. you go, that's not my fault. Yeah. So when I was talking about my dad, I'm like, of course, like, I, I'm fucking, I'm really struggled with that and I struggle with that, I struggle with that. Because of all of that. That's what therapy did for me, was like, you dig into it, you start to understand it, and you go, oh, it's not my fault then. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. I guess that's where I was going. Yeah. It went really fucking mad, didn't it? Really... We went a lot of places. I didn't expect mm. it to. Again, because we'd started out with not having anything to talk about. But none of it's your fault. That's ones. what I'm saying. Like sometimes, like if you're having an argument with your missus, and you're like, "Oh, well, we're doing this and we're doing that, and why am I doing that?" You're like, "Ah, oh, I'm doing that because I'm sleeping in fucking Wendy house." Yeah. When he said Wendy house, I was like, "There's a good point of reference. Remember that yeah. every time you're fucking doing something and you're thinking, why am I doing that?" Oh, I was living in a Wendy house, kitchen, living Wendy houses. Nah. 
Yeah, that's true. It was fucking freezing. But it was cold in here. But I'll go have a wee. Are you alright? Yeah, man. Yeah. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 